Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Anatomy of Tone. My name is Mark Marshall. I'm your host for this podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about a rather controversial pedal that is the original Clown Centure invented by Bill Finnegan in 1994. Over the past decade, we've really seen some Clown Wars break out. You could tell I'm going through a bit of a pun phase today. So excuse me as I'm your contour for this episode's look at one of the biggest pedals that have ever been created as far as notoriety and desirability. I want to first mention that I do have a new YouTube channel up and running, Anatomy of Tone. If you look me up on YouTube, I have a lot of tutorial videos on music theory and playing guitar on there. This week I did a video about using neighbor tones to create runs that are a third apart from chord tones. Basically using these neighbor tones to be able to move through chord tones to basically prolong the motion between going from one note to a third away in either direction. If you're digging this podcast, please give me a rating or leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening on. It just helps the algorithms and gets me noticed more so others who might dig this content can also find it. Also like to mention that I do offer private lessons for guitar and music theory, composition. Reach out to me at anatomyofguitartone.com where you can read about my teaching philosophy as well as send me a message and see if we would be a great match to work together. Okay, let's get into this concept of the Klon Centure. Bill Finnegan was the original designer of the Klon. He invented the circuit for it in 1994. When it came out, when it first came out, he got a lot of flack for how expensive the pedal was. And I can't remember what he said. I actually spoke to him a couple of years ago in a pretty in-depth conversation with him. And he said that it was, I think, between three and 350 or something. And people were losing their minds. How could you be charging this much for a pedal? And his expenses were, were pretty high, like the components and all the materials in the pedal. They actually cost a lot of money. So his profit margin wasn't extremely high, even at charging that rate. Now, that seems funny now, considering how much they're going for on the used market. We think about it. Now it's a steal. But at the time, people gave him a lot of flack for it. There were some production issues with the early clones due to the quality of the materials that Bill was receiving from his manufacturers, particularly of the cases. They would break often, so he would end up with uh, just wasted materials because they would just crack and that became an issue for him for uh, quite a while he was trying to deal with that so it was frustrating being a one person operation having to deal with these defective products which actually was a, a pretty interesting conversation to get into because the the clon ktrs actually had an issue with a part on the inside there's a connection that is made for between these two components. I called him initially and started talking to him because I was having a problem with my KTR. It stopped working. And he made me take the pedal back off the pedal and we went through uh, looking and making sure that the diode wasn't blown out and actually discovered that uh, the 
two connections that are almost like a, a, a plug and play kind of vibe that they had come loose. And he was experiencing this problem because one of the manufacturers that he used to make this little tiny switch, this jack basically that you plug into, they they changed the part without telling him. And this has happened a number of times to him. When they change it enough that they don't feel the need that they have to mention it to all the people that they're distributing it to. So he gets them and puts them in pedals and all of a sudden later on you find out that they're slipping over time and they fall out so it's not as snug as a connection that it once was and now he gets people calling him about the ktrs where he has to first make sure that they didn't mess up the pedal because you can mess up the ktr pedal he's very particular about making sure that it's not your user error that, that created a problem. You can plug the wrong power supply into one of the original Klonson tours and you could blow it up. And I've actually seen that happen. I was in a session with a bunch of guitarists one time. It was just a hang. And one of the guitarists had bought a, a brand new, not brand new, a, a gold horsey, one of the original ones. Pretty expensive. Not as expensive as they are now at the time, but they were still a very expensive pedal. And while this person went to the bathroom, somebody else wanted to try it out. And they decided to just plug any kind of power supply into it and it completely fried it, which was pretty frustrating when the guitar, the owner came back into the room. They handled it very classy and graciously and they, they didn't freak out, but and it was frustrating and they managed to be able to send the pedal back to Bill and he was able to fix it. But you have to be very careful with power supplies and pedals and always make sure that you know the ratings because some things have the tip first and some pedals require special power. They can't take too much power. They need more power. Don't just blindly plug your pedals in. Anyway, when I called Bill, he was checking to make sure that I hadn't used power improperly with the KTR and then we, we troubleshooted and he found the issue. And you see, these are frustrating situations to deal with as a manufacturer. And he never decided to expand his business. I'm not really sure why. Uh, he didn't really get into that except that I think it's not as profitable as maybe we might think if he's just making one pedal. Uh, he also just might really like to control of the, the business he also just might really like to control the business and as a one-person operation. And he never expanded, and because he never expanded, also with these production complications, he got burnt out. That's why he stopped making them. It just became too frustrating, and he was working too many long hours, and he didn't have a life because they were selling. He was selling a lot of them, but with the production issues and also the profit margin wasn't so big that he was getting rich off of it. I think at some point it started to feel like he was spending all of his life in the shop and wasn't living any life. So there have been a few times where he's just stepped away when the prices started to skyrocket. As you'll find sometimes with gear, when famous people start using the gear, people start chasing whatever that artist is using, thinking that they're going to be able to, to gather some of their secret mojo just by using whatever gear they're using. And it's not completely wrong in the sense that obviously there are certain guitar players and Dick Dale that used a Stratocaster and then there are certain characteristics of Stratocaster that we like that we've associated with Dick Dale, so we're going to use that. And, and the same thing with a lot of different guitars and amplifiers and Jimi Hendrix with Marshall amplifiers or Cream Air Clapton with Marshall amplifiers. So there are certain associations we make, however, Often the amount of mojo that we can 
we create just by using the gear is more minimal, I think, than people realize. It's also the gear combined with the playing and the touch of the artist and their sensibility of how to make music. And I'm even talking about the choices in harmony and phrasing that really make up a lot of what an individual's core sound is about. Now, that's not to discredit the gear, of course. I love gear and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out the elements of some of these classic guitar sounds but something really went awry well, i guess awry is maybe the wrong word but went wild with the clon pedal it was almost like there was a clandestine meeting by the illuminati to figure out how to gouge the prices of the clon jeff Beck used the clon and a few other people did and all of a sudden people started flocking to them and trying to get them no matter what one wonders if Jeff Beck actually worked for the Illuminati. Of course not. But it is unprecedented how wild the market went for the Klon pedal. It just doesn't seem to end. A lot of people blame Bill for this and think that he profits off of the resale of these Klons, but he actually doesn't. He only made the money from the original sale. So when you see a Klon going for eight grand now, he's not making that money. He made the original 350 that he sold it for. It's a little wild because it's gotten so popular. A lot of people become bitter about it as well and look for somebody to blame. And it's really not Bill's fault for that at all. People also throw shade at Bill because he used to epoxy the circuit board on the inside of it. He did this because it was his own circuit and he was trying to slow down the process of somebody ripping off his circuit and recreating it. And you can see from the market today, there's a lot of clon artists. I'm not done with the puns yet. Some of the clon copies are great and some leave a little to be desired. I'll get into that in a moment. But it eventually did happen and people figured out what was going on and now it's not so much a secret, which also Bill knew was going to be an issue as far as his profitability of a pedal. Now, occasionally Bill Finnegan does make a pedal. He has some parts left and he gives it to a friend of his who is a single mom and she puts it up on eBay and sells it as uses the money to support her family, which is a really kind thing that Bill does. And that's one of those cases where I have no problem with somebody paying a lot of money or them asking for a lot of money for the pedal. Some of the other auctions that you see are just completely out of control. I just can't even believe I'm seeing the prices I am for a pedal. It's maybe arguably the most expensive guitar product, or I would even argue like it has had the fastest in the guitar product. How you have any guitar product? It's crazy. I even think it took like vintage guitars a lot longer to grow in their monetary value. I like clones. Don't get me wrong. I'm not slamming clones. I use them. I have got several that I use, and I'll get into the variances of them in a moment. I just don't think that any one pedal necessarily should have that much weight to it. As great as the Klon is, I don't believe it's been used on as many notable recordings as, say, a tone bender or, or even a big muff. In some regards, its place in the sonic history that we relate to songs that we hear in pop culture I don't feel has 
been as big. I may be wrong about that, so feel free to send me a message and let me know. It just seems as if the clan kind of took on its own life, its own popularity, rather than it being completely associated with a mass number of uh, songs from an era. Now, that's still not discrediting what it does offer to the guitar community. It is a really unique and special pedal that does offer a really interesting flavor. It's not a perfect fix-it-all pedal, and I think that's what some people think. They get a clone, and they think this is the secret ingredient, and it could be depending on what sound you're going for. But like everything, it's chemistry and what guitar you're pairing it with and what amp and what style of music you're playing and how loud you have the amplifier. There are so many variables that it is an ingredient and it can be a solution for your perfect sound, but it isn't necessarily universal that it is always going to be that case. One of the interesting, I'd say, details about the clone is that now because of how long it's been around and how removed it's been from... I think Bill and and some of the original users and people that made it popular, I feel like people have lost knowledge about how it was originally intended to be used. Now, I'm not trying to be a crank yanker on my front lawn yelling at kids to get off of it or anything like that. I'm open to gear being used in way outside its intended uses. Leo Fender didn't originally intend his amplifiers to break up, and it turns out that we love that sound, right? So he originally wanted the amps to be clean. He saw that as a flaw. So I'm open to, I don't know, using gear in, in ways that it was intended. The Klon was intended as a boost with a little hair on it to be put in front of an amp that was being pushed already. So it wasn't really intended to be used into a clean amp. The idea is you have a Marshall and it's cooking and it's breaking up a bit. And then you place the clon, you place the clon in front of it, use some higher output, use a little bit of the gain, the, the grit that is in the clon to combine with the pushed amp and those two sounds together, they chemically interact and it creates this glorious sound. And that's where the clon to me really shines of using it with a Vox, using it with a Marshall, a Tweed. I'm just saying for my personal uses, with the exception of sometimes I will use a clon as a preamp. And this may be a little unusual. I hardly use any breakup on it all. I just use it in front of a black panel Fender amp to add a light amount of compression and to rein in the frequencies a little bit. There's a little bit of a mid-range push in the clone, an upper mid-range push and a very light compression. It's subtle, but it makes a difference and somehow into a deluxe reverb or a twin reverb, it can help contain the amp in a very flattering way. So again, I'm not driving the clone that much and just using it as a color in front of the amplifier. Nowadays, I see most people using clone as an overdrive pedal. I don't really see it as an overdrive pedal. It's not a soft clipping device. It technically is a hard clipping device. I find it to be harsh when you use it at unity gain and just pushing the saturation of the, the drive knob on the clon 
To me, that's not a very flattering sound, especially into a clean amp. I could hear it. I don't even need to see what's on somebody's pedal board from live, and I hear their their drive sound, and I can just tell what they're doing sometimes. And to me, it sounds small. To get the claw to sound big, first of all, I feel like you have to push it past unity gain, so the pedal should be louder when it's on than when it's off, so it juices the front end of a tube amp a bit. This just really starts that that chemical reaction that happens and then if the amp is perfectly clean i also find that doesn't work i really hear the hard clipping but the soft clipping that happens from pushing an amp loud or hard and say the amps on seven or something like a marshall and then that paired with a hard clipping of the con those two match together is really where I feel the magic is. And it's okay if you don't agree with that, but I do encourage you to try that to get some perspective of how the original design from for the clone was intended to be used. Let's talk about the various copies that are available of the clone today. I'm gonna start off with some of my least favorite, and then we're gonna work into what my favorites are. The Electroharmonic Soul Food is by far my least favorite Klon copy. It doesn't sound like a Klon at all to me. If you think it sounds like a Klon, I think you've been smoking too much of the Klonic. I'm not saying that the Soul Food is an awful sounding pedal. I don't like it. You may like it and could be a usable sound, but I don't think it sounds anything like the original Klon to my ears. I've compared it with copies. I've compared it with the original Klon. The, the power of suggestion and also people are obsessed with the idea of not paying a ton of money for a Klon. So they look at the electroharmonics and they say, oh, this is the same thing. I only have to pay 80 bucks or whatever it is, 100 bucks, something like that for it. And I can get the same sound. It's the same thing, but it's not. And I've watched some videos online where people have done comparisons, the blindfold tests of the Klon original versus all these cheap ones. And you're supposed to guess. And the idea is that you can't tell the difference. And every time I've been able to tell the difference between all the copies and the original Klon, because they do sound different. Now, not everybody has the same level of hearing. I feel like our hearing is much like our taste buds. Not everybody has as refined taste buds. So there are going to be different gradients of how well you can decipher this. But I can hear a lot of frequencies and my hearing is, despite being deaf in my left ear, I actually have a pretty accessible, I actually, I'm actually pretty sensitive to a wide range of frequencies. So to me, it always sticks out what is the original and what isn't. And the electroharmonic soul food just does not cut it for me. And my second least favorite is the Wampler Tumnus. Now, Wampler makes solid pedals. They're made well, and he puts a lot of thought into the design of them. I just didn't like the Tumnus. Uh, it doesn't sound like a clone to me. A pedal that's based on a clone, it was a little more harsh and had more drive to it. I don't feel like it had the chime of an original clone. And there was just something in the mid-range that was different to my ears than some of the other clones that I've tried. So again, it doesn't mean it's a bad pedal. The Wampler, different from the Soul Food, is actually made very well. Electroharmonics pedals are made fairly cheaply, which is understandable, which is understandable when you look at the price. 
I've had them fall apart a lot on gigs or they don't really withstand touring a lot. So I always will tend to use a higher grade pedal and the Wamplers are made really well. I just didn't like the sound and I didn't get total original Klon vibe from it. Now we're going to take a quantum leap and look at a few of my favorite Klon style pedals. The first one would be the KTR, which is made by Bill Finnegan. And I don't know if he's making them... He seemed to have been in production and out of production, in production again, so it seems a little inconsistent. I'm not exactly sure if it has to do with just availability to components and parts, which is possible issues, or he just needs to take a break. The prices of those have also skyrocketed. The prices of those have also skyrocketed. I bought mine for maybe 300, and I'm seeing them for a grand now. And, I, I love the KTR. People are going to argue and say it doesn't sound like the original gold horsey or the silver. Uh, I think that the gold and the silver sound slightly different from each other. And you have to remember, there's a variance in a lot of pedals, period. And these are all hand-built. So there's a little variance in those. I, I do have a preference for the original gold horsies, which I don't own, but I have heard them use them. But I do like the KTR. I think it has a lot of what gives the Klon its character. We can argue the subtle variances between the new KTR, the silver and the gold. Bill really stands by the KTR when he just claims that this is, believes the sound is representative of what he wanted it to sound like. I think it's a fantastic sounding pedal, regardless of the subtle variations they are. It's a great example of a Klon and it sounds awesome. I love using it as the preamp into the black panel fender amp, like I mentioned, just to get a little light compression and, and upper mid range uh, boost and clarity. I also like using it to boost my Marshalls and my Fox and my Tweed amps. So this is like a perfect Klon. These are getting really expensive now. So now we have to start thinking about other options when it comes to getting that sound. So I also use a pedal from FSC Instruments. So Farhad Sahali, who makes the FSC brand, he makes hand-built guitars, which are amazing, just really refined. He also makes pedals now and, and is working with Henry Amps on an FSC-branded amp as well. So he's really got his finger on a lot of great tone. And he made the FSC KB1, which is a very traditional clon with also a, a boost side in it that can act like a... I don't know, like a fuzz, almost like a fact. It's a, a very unruly kind of fuzz sound, which can get you some pretty cool garage tones and just double the gain. And this is where he departed from the main idea of the Klon. So, and it is the original Klon, but with the addition of this extra gain stage, this silicon gain stage, which just makes it really nasty and garagey, which can be really cool. This is a great Klon. He really got the design he worked with somebody to refine the circuit and, and go pretty traditional with it, at least for the non-silicon side. And I AB it against the KTR and they're very close, right? And I think that the FSC really captures the true essence of what the Klon is supposed to be, whether using it as a, a light preamp or using the, the chemical reaction when you want to use it right in front of an amp that's a already driven. I also use the Archer Icon sometimes, which is a nice small clone. I have the gold icon, so they make a gold and silver, respectively trying to copy the gold clone, the silver clone. 
I preferred the gold. And the Archer is a great pedal. It's small. I think I still prefer the FSC when I AB them. And I also prefer the original Klon to the, or the KTR, I should say, to the Archer Icon. But the Archer Icon is definitely a great contender, especially because of its small size, which makes it practical for small pedal boards, whereas the KTR and the KB1 from FSC take up a little bit more space on your pedal board. Sometimes I choose the uh, Archer just because of the space I have on the pedal board. A lot of times I find myself gravitating towards the KTR or the KB1. One thing to note when you're trying out clone pedals, you can't just set the knobs the same way and expect them to put out the same sound. It may take a little tweaking to get each one to sound similar. So when I have the KB1 and I compare it against the KTR from Bill Finnegan, then I have to adjust the dials with my eyes closed to dial it in right because there's no way that they're going to operate the same. You're going to find this with all kinds of pedals, right? Unless you have two duplicates of, of the same boss like overdrive or chorus pedal you're going to have to trust your ears to dial them in. Sometimes people get the clone copies and they, they, they set the dials the same. They say, well, these don't sound the same. These aren't, there's nothing like it. And that's not how you have to do it. You have to just close your eyes and find the spot. We did this with the KB1, the KTR, and they got really close. I got barely close with the Icon 2, just closer with the KB1 just by closing my eyes. And when you open your eyes, you're going to notice that the tiles are in different places. So just remember that when you're trying out clones. Now, I know there are so many other clone copies out there. It's been impossible to try every one of them. I will say that ones I've been the least hesitant to try are the ones that are copying the casing and putting the Centaur logo on it. I just feel like that's a cheap low blow. And Maybe some of these are pretty good, but like the Seriotone and the Warm Audio. Yeah, the cat's out of the bag. We know what the clone circuit is now. And yes, a lot of people are copying it and it's just the way it is. But I don't know. It feels a little cheap to go to that level and put basically a name on it and almost make it appear to be what it isn't. I like that the KB doesn't look exactly like the the original clon. Mine is a gold sparkle, so it has a bit of the color, but the shape is different. You can tell, oh, I know what this is implying, but it's not trying to make this like a knockoff, like to appear like a copy, almost like a, a Gucci bag that you're buying off the streets of Canal Street in, in New York City that, that is, isn't really... It says Gnucci on it or something where it's it's closed, but it's not the thing. And I don't know. To me, it just seems a little bit in bad taste. So that's my own personal opinion on that. I don't really venture into those waters. I, I believe in Bill's work, and I, I'm not opposed to using some copies because especially now, if he's not making them again, we're going to want that sound. But I feel like there's a level of also being respectful to his legacy and, and what he did contribute to the music world and the pedal world. When he started making the original clones, pedals were around and they were popular, but the boutique market hadn't really blown up yet. Mostly we had when we had boss pedals and electro harmonics. These were the mainstays for many years. And we started seeing our DOD. I never know which how to say that. Is it DOD or DOD? We had a few pedals on the market, but when Bill released the Klon, 
all of a sudden start opening this door to boutique pedal makers. And then eventually we started seeing Zachary Vax make Zvax pedals. And now we have so many options when it comes to hand-built pedal options. It's awesome. And Bill was a, a big part of that. Anyway, I think I'm trying to say is that I just feel it's in bad taste when some of these companies are, are just trying to, to almost try to fool somebody to make you believe you have an original con. It's a, a little cheesy to my perspective, but should you pay eight grand for an original con? I suppose if you have a lot of money to burn and you want to have a pedal that maybe potentially can grow in its value as a collector might be a good decision. If you have a lot of money and you feel like the difference in tone is noticeable enough, that investment isn't going to put you out in any way, then you can. But here's a few notes about that. It's not going to be a great pedal for you to take on gigs or to put in a road case and take to an airport and put under the plane. Sometimes you can get away with it. You're going to have to insure it. But people, at least if they're guitar players, they know the value of those pedals and it's a target. It's an easy pedal to steal and much easier than a guitar even. And we all know how many guitarists have had guitars stolen on the road. So it's a target. It's a very expensive target that somebody can steal and then want to profit off of it. So the people that I know have them are really cautious about how they use them and they only use them in the studio. Let's discuss the differences between the $3,800 clon versus an $8,000 clon. I'm basing this on when Bill was making the KTR, and if he is again, I hope he is again. This will come in around that range of 400 ish dollars, which I think is between three and 400 is like the starting point for a great clon pedal. I think anything below that, I haven't found much that I really think nails it, but a legitimate clon copy is going to be between like 300 and 500 dollars. That's you can find amazing sounding clon copies in that price range. The the KB1 from FSC is reasonably placed, is reasonably priced within that range, and a little over three hundred dollars, I believe. The FSC KB1 is within that price parameter. The FSC KB1 is within those price parameters, and that is an, an amazing option. There's no need to spend a ridiculous amount of money now. I will say that there is a little bit of a difference between the KTR, the KB1, and an original gold horsey. I can hear it, but it's so subtle that I don't think the margin of tone variance between, let's say, the Klon KTR, the KB1, to an original Klon gold horsey isn't as broad as... I would say the difference between a Klon KTR or KB1 to like the electroharmonic soul food. I hear the difference between the soul food and the KTR as being a much wider variance of bad to good than the KTR to the gold horsey. The KTR, the KB1, they sound awesome. The gold horsey sounds awesome. Is the difference between those going to make or break your guitar tone? Not at all. I think you don't need the eight grand version. You shouldn't feel like because you can't afford that, that you're not going to get that sound. You can absolutely get that sound. We're talking about minute changes, which although to some people can be audible, it's not audible to the point that it's a deal breaker between the two. It's very subtle. Right? The clone copies that I mentioned are really 
at that point that they're there. They've nailed it. It's such a subtle difference. It is not going to make or break your tenor. Sometimes I feel like one thing that happens in the guitar community, I see this happen with Dumble Amps, I see this happen with Clons, that they become a status thing. Right? It's having a Lamborghini or something to show off your wealth with. And it becomes a bit of an elitist move to have a con. And there's a famous guitar player, I won't mention a name, who I know recently played a charity that one of my friends was playing on. And they requested to have two original gold uh, horsey clons in the back line for them to show up and do this charity gig. And that meant that the charity had to spend a lot of money to procure these original gold horses, which each of them go for like a grand piece. So the rental was really expensive on them, the insurance, all that stuff, really expensive. This is for a charity. They could have just shown up and used a, a different pedal, but it, that goes to that elitist rock star, like famous vibe of being so important that you have to get whatever you want, which to me is a, a bit of a turnoff and I wasn't particularly surprised with this particular guitarist. But anyway, I don't know. I'm just saying that don't buy into the elitist uh, propaganda that you get from the original clone. You can buy one at a reasonable price and do everything that the original clone will do. Instead of doing comparisons for some sound examples, I'm just going to create some great sounds using the various clone pedals I have and let you know which one I'm using it and how I'm using it. I'm not going to AB them back and forth. I think that's part of the issue with the con wars is everybody just is, I'm going to focused in so tightly that they're forgetting how to just get into making great sounds using. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to get the best sound I can out of each pedal. And then you can decide if it's a sound you like or not. And I recommend that you do this when you get a clone and stop worrying so much about how much it is exactly like the original clone, even though I went on a rant about how some like, you need to get a copy or a clone and, and, and experiment with it and see if you're getting usable sounds out of it. I will encourage you though, like I did before, to try and experiment using the clone, how it was originally intended to be used, and then feel free, of course, to use it in unconventional manners. This first example I'm going to play is a Les Paul standard with Voodoo 59 pickups run into the Klon K2, run into the Klon KTR into a Marshall SVH 20 head. It's a plexi. And it's just those elements and really getting that rock sound. You'll hear that there's a really nice pick percussive attack that happens with the combination of the hard clipping from the clon and then the soft clipping from the marshal. It just really is a great sound for rock.
going to use the same guitar, but I'm going to tie in a drone that's going to come from a hydrosynth. And I'm going to also add in an Analog Man ARDX20 analog delay and the Chase Bliss CXM1978 reverb. And these are being added post amp like post effects so it's not actually hitting the front of the Marshall it's just going from Les Paul into the Klon KTR into the Marshall SV20H and then that goes into my Universal Audio Aux box. Now I am using an MP88S amp switcher and so I'm switching through the different amps in this example it allows me to connect all my amplifiers in the studio and they just alternate between them at will. Let's check it out. I was using the neck pickup on the Les Paul. And one thing I like about Klons is they will clean up your neck sound a bit. It just focuses it, gets rid of some of the flabbiness that is there. So it's a nice accompaniment if you're trying to play a lot on your guitar neck or if your amp is really set up for your bridge pickup and switching to your neck pickup. It sounds muddy. It's really hard to find a great middle ground between those two pickups sometimes with amplifiers. Sometimes using a Klon even on a fairly clean setting can just cut out the right frequencies on your neck pickup so you don't have to adjust your amp. I'm going to switch to a Vox AC15. I'm going to play an SG Custom with Gemini Mercury 1 humbuckers in it. I'm going through an Analog Man mini chorus, which is pretty much like the small clone Electroharmonics classic chorus sound. I'm doing this for just a chunky kind of rhythm sound that is chimey and open, but also nice and saturated. Now I was using the FSC KB1 in that example. So the first two examples was with the Klon KTR and these Vox examples are using the FSC KB1. I wanted to show an example using slides. I'm using a glass slide and sometimes the Klon style circuit can bring out a nice wine, particularly a glass slide. And it works with metal too and some people prefer metal but there's these very interesting overtones that you get with a glass slide that I prefer. Let's check it out. This is running straight into the FSC KB1, right into the Vox AC15.
For the last example, I wanted to run into a black panel style Fender amp. Now I'm using a Headstrong Little King Reverb, which is pretty much a black panel Princeton. I have a 12 inch speaker in mine. I wanted to keep it on a pretty low volume to demonstrate how I'm just using the Klon more so as a preamp just to do a very slight compression and add a little bit more presence and a nice preamp sound in front of that circuit. I added the drum machine via the machine. I have the standalone version of machine from Native Instruments and I also was playing an organ from Kumar on it. Let's check it out. I hope you've enjoyed this controversial issue. I'm sure I will be able to continue the conversation at another time. There will be more to discuss and I'm going to break now and go have a Klondike bar. Okay, I think I got it out of my system finally. Thank you for being patient and going through a moment of having to spit out every single pun that I could think of regarding the Klon. I just think we do need a little humor on this subject though because people get so serious about the Klon and its copies and it, uh, it does get a little deep. Take it a little lighter and remember that it's an ingredient. It's not a solution to every sonic problem that you have, but when it works, it's a magical tool. I hope you'll join me next week for episode 31 of Anatomy of Tone. If you have any questions, reach out to me at anatomyofguitartone.com. You feel like talking more about the clon and anything else, lessons or recording tips. Until next time.